Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by Lacole. Here with my co-host, Benji Nyson, for Stage 12 of the Giro d'Italia Recap from Siena to Bagno di Romagna, 212 kilometers, one of the longest stages of this year's Giro. There's a lot of climbing too, I think over 4,000 meters, maybe even 4,500 meters of climbing. They've got two category two climbs in the middle, 17Ks at 5.5%, 15Ks at 5.5% back to back. There's plenty of rolling climbs beforehand for the break to be established. It's a long descent. And then the final climbing section, the Paso del Carnaio, looks uh, not too bad, 10 k's, 5%, but it's actually pretty much a 5K climb in the middle of it. And it's not steep at the start, flattens off the last 3Ks, and there's even a 12% kilometre in the middle of that before a reasonable descent, some technical sections, and then a flat 4K run-in to the finish in Banjo di Romagna. Benji and I said break yesterday but struggled to put our finger on which rider it would be. There were some abandons today, Benji. There's some other news. A lot of riders missing the race. Even maybe mention as well the riders that abandoned during the stage because we always get too caught up in the recap as well. Yes, quite a few riders actually abandoning today. We started off with uh, Gino Mater, who crashed yesterday apparently, but also crashed early on in today's stage. He uh, unfortunately left the race, so that's a bit of a loss for uh, Bahrain, certainly. We lost two riders from uh, the team of Martin, as well as Startup Nation. We lost Demarkey from a crash. Dowsett, don't know what happened to him. St- so I can't stomach tell problems, him. I think. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, next to those, those riders, we had a Koenig rider as well leaving the race. That was Masnada. Uh, I think something with his knee was uh, circulating on Twitter by the team. So those the are the environment ones in the that... bus. You got sick from the toxic environment in the bus after the stage <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> or maybe maybe he got something, he got caught in the crossfire. Somebody, when someone threw something at the other, he got caught hit in the knee and he's got a knee problem. <laughs> All yeah, right, who, that, was, who was the last true. rider? <laughs> Uh, who was the last rider? Uh, good question. Who was the last Mater. rider then? No, I, I said it today. MS first. Oh, you said? Okay. And you said <laughs> yesterday he was had trouble. The Solaire crashed during the stage. Yeah, well. true. Oh, yeah. Forgot about him, but it's uh, pretty so important. He crashed out. Yeah, which is a shame. I, I mean, we meme about Solaire all the time. I actually thought he'd been riding pretty well this year, oh, and not no branded stuff at all. He looked good in Romandy. So that's a real shame. He was the GC guy for Movistar. I wanted to really see what he could do for the rest of the Giro. Uh, but yeah, but this stage, we said breakaway and a big breakaway formed as we expected. Benji, what sort of names did we have in there? I mean, the classic guys we did expect. It wasn't a weird break this time either. Yes, firstly, a rider going for the KOM jersey. That is the one that is wearing the KOM jersey. Shofi Bouchard looks like he's mainly focusing on trying to get those points and eventually tries to help a teammate to try and uh, take victory. Today, that was the case with... Andrea Vendrame. We also had Dries de Bond, who also seemed to be going for the KOM points, but not fighting with Bouchard. He was like, you can take first, I'll just take second. <laughs> I don't know what the strategy is there, but yeah, he, he was doing exactly that. But um, next to that, we also had some other riders from pro county teams, like Albanese, 
Patili. <laughs> yeah, some people will get it. Um, we also have Guy Niff. We had Bennett, George Bennett, not the sprinter. He's not here. Hamilton, Chris Hamilton, this one. And Victor Campanarts, Brambilla, and also Ulysses. So Brambilla was your pick yesterday. Uh, you thought he might play a role as a satellite rider, but Ineos actually decided otherwise. Ineos decided to uh, set a bit of pace at the start to have a gap of five minutes, but not necessarily push it to close down the gap. And when the climb started hitting, they slowed down a bit and the gap just started expanding. And by the end of the stage, well, spoilers, they had roughly 12 minutes as they finished with a victory somewhere. So uh, breakaway won the stage, spoilers again. But um, yep. I think We that- said yesterday why. We explained yep. in detail why this keeps happening, why the brakes keep winning. It's one for this stage, it's parkour design. We have 4Ks of flat after the climb and a descent before then as well. So you got to really hold that to the line too. None of the other teams are as strong as Ineos that are going for GC. Bahrain were when they had Lander. The second real problem is, is Lander's not here. He crashed out. That's, I think, destroyed this stage GC-wise because Maida, Caruso, Bilbao, Tratnik, whew, they would have been stronger than Ineos in the proper mountain stages, in my view, with Lander, and they might have tried something and worked with Ineos. So that was the reason why the break got so much leash. Let's focus on the breakaway all the way to the finish. I think Benji and then we'll come back for the GC action. But yeah, apart from the, they pretty much worked together in the Cat 2s yep. on the, those climbs. It really only was on Paso del Carnaio where the attack started flowing from a 10-man-plus breakaway. The only thing I would note was on the descent, into that, I think Tesfatian and a couple of other riders were getting gapped um, just purely off handling, I think. Uh, but, yeah, what? how did it kick off on Caranayo? Brambilla initially and then Bennett attacking. Where would you have attacked if you were the DS? Where would you have said to wait for on that last climb? Well, I think it really depends on which rider is yours. I think that the rider like George Bennett needs to try and benefit of the steeper sections, which is, yep. I think, after a good... Uh, well, it's that 12% kilometer you mentioned earlier on in this podcast. That's where George Bennett must go, but he needs to put the pressure already before that section, otherwise he won't drop people. Vendrame needs to try and attack on the lesser steep parts, but he's got the climbing ability. We saw it last year in Sistriar to do decent climbing, but... When it comes to the very steep sections, I think that a George Bennett in form would beat him. But we have seen this, Joe, that that's not overly the case, although he seems to be getting a tiny bit better. Abrambila on the climbing section, yeah, not on the flatter part, stuff like that. I think that riders like Victor Campanarts, they didn't make it to this point really anymore because, well, on the descent beforehand, he was having trouble because it was kind of rainy. So we already lost quite a few people from that breakaway before this point. But eventually it ended up with a rider actually riding away. And that was perhaps the rider I did not really expect to attack because he's one of the faster men in this group, Andrea Vendrame. You think that... There's a reason for it. There's a a very specific reason why he attacked there. Pace had gone out of the race with Hamilton, Bennett and Brambilla. Brambilla had attacked multiple times. He attacked too early before the steep section. Brambilla had done the hard work of softening up the group. And then they get to, they're nearly at the end of the climb. There's still a fair bit of it left, enough left. And it's not as steep. As I said, you go over that steep section, really it flattens off 2 3%. I think Vendramo is thinking, if I stay in this group, these climbers, because he is the quickest man on paper out of those four riders, including Visconti, who's behind, Visconti is probably the quickest. 
he's quicker than the other three who were there. Then Drama's thinking, I don't want to get dropped on the climb. Yep. So I'm going to keep the pace up whilst they're all looking at each other, go 10 seconds ahead, ride my own pace, rather than having to respond to attacks from the good climbers, Hamilton, uh, Prambilla, and George Bennett. So that was really good from Vendrame and really smart uh, because he was thinking about the final sprint. Otherwise, I mean, Bouchard kind of didn't help Vendrame before because Vendrame was yeah. dropping on earlier sections. <laughs> so I, I don't know what was going on there. I think for riders like George Bennett, as Benji said, you have to 100% commit to the climb and leave it all there and basically either drop everyone and go clear or get dropped yourself because – no offense to the man, but you're not winning the final sprint uh, yourself. Hamilton, kind of similar as well. Brambilla's got a little bit of punch, no pun intended. But they all went over the top pretty much together, Benji. And then they st- what happened in the there's a four that four kilometer flat section. What did you see there? And and was that a result of them being scared of Vendrame? Well, I think they started skirmishing a bit between them, and I think that. This is indeed caused by Vendrame being the better sprinter in that group. So the riders that don't necessarily have that sprint need to try and make a bit of an attack going. And I think one of the attacks that stuck the most was Chris Hamilton, who made a move. Chris Hamilton made a move yes. on, I think, uh, one side of the road. Significant gap suddenly because nobody's really responding the first time around because they're all looking at Vendrame. And Vendrame's like, well, I can't do everything, people. And uh, eventually, well, we saw that Vendrame did respond. And yeah. Vendrame bridged the gap quite strongly to the wheel of Hamilton. And while that was all going on, I'd like to focus on the two people behind because we saw that Brambilla was basically riding at a tempo where he wasn't going to chase it because he was like, Bennett, it's your turn. You need to do it. And Bennett was like, no, it's your turn. You need to do it. And if you do that for too long, you're on a gap and you can't get back. And uh, from so that good. point onwards, those two looked like they were riding to make each other lose instead of trying to win. <laughs> it was classic <laughs> i mean we'll talk about it at the end uh brambilla's history that he's a he's a hot-headed fella in a, in a break <laughs> Gianluca brambilla and 100 percent benji he i do think in his defense bennett mm-hmm. was bennett was being an anchor and yep. bennett had not as attacked as much as brambilla but the two go clear hamilton and vendrame hamilton bridges across to vendrame we've got two k's to go obviously the gap to the peloton is like 12 minutes so this is why the cat and mousing had been going on for 20Ks at this point, uh, even on the previous climb. Hamilton pulls for a little bit and then puts Vendrame on the front. Totally makes sense. Vendrame, the quicker man, of course, and it's pretty straightforward. Vendrame keeps pulling, doesn't even look to to get Hamilton to do any work, backs himself completely, and he wants to keep the gap to Visconti, uh, Brambilla, and George Bennett. Leads it out, and Vendrame for Agitizer Citroën La Mondiale dusts hamilton off in the sprint finally yeah is this his what do you mean fine is this his first grand tour win i'm pretty sure it is right i've been saying for years that he should win a Giro stage and oh it is by far benji it's his biggest win by far he hasn't even won a world tour race he's won a stage in pay de la pay de la forget that race he didn't win that according to me <laughs> Trobro and he won a state he won Trobro Leon which is a very nice race actually in 2019 and now a Giro stage so we're seeing a lot of riders at this Giro winning their biggest Grand Tour stage for the first time Schmidt Vendrame uh Maida and it's because these big breaks are going and but I think Vendrame me and Benji are surprised he hasn't won more what, what sort of rider is Vendrame Benji is he is he Diego Ulysses 
Ah, mm, I think that he was also in the break, by the way, and got dropped. But he's probably th- a better climber. Yeah. So Vendrame started basically off as a rider with a bit of a with a bit of a sprint. Then we saw him more in in hilly sprints. He was better in those. I think he got second in one in 2019 as well. But I'm not so sure about it because my memory yes. is not optimal at the moment. And um, then I think that he started showing in the Giro last year that he could also climb next to that in breakaways. And on Sestriere, that stage, we saw that that could be next level in, in stages like this. And combining all that together today to get the stage win, finally, because his sprinting is not good enough to win a sprint. His hilly sprint is not good enough to beat the hilly sprinters that are usually present. He's always near the front in those. Which is weird. Just hold, hold that thought though. Which is mm-hmm. weird because I just want to put in one result. 2020 Giro Stage 4, flat finish. Damar, Sagan, Ballerini, Vendrame, Viviani, and then Matthews and co. were behind. So he has shown some glimpses of sprinting, but do you think, have we not seen any of that this year? I think the benefit of that stage was that that was a stage with the middle climb, right? If I vaguely remember, which means that the pressure on the pure sprinters was already kind of pushed, which means that those have spent more energy on the road and Vendrame probably did on the climb. So I think that plays into why he's better on that kind of finish. I do think he needs a rougher terrain to out-sprint people. I think he can sprint, though, but I don't think he has a sprint to pass the best sprinters in the world by far, and therefore he needs a bit of a combination of rougher terrain with a sprint or a breakaway with a sprint, stuff like that to make it out on top. Yeah, he is perfect for stages like this. I think this is the archetype stage for him. 4,500 metres of climbing, but a flat finish. So that is that is really difficult, this sort of stage. And I think he did get fortunate in that the – I think if someone like Molima and another climbing strong guy, climber, went clear and started work together on the final climb and really pushed it, he might have been in trouble. But – cat and mousing and then him riding his own pace he 100 deserved the win let's now go back to oh are there any gc no i'll read out the top 10 because there's no gc contenders in the top 10 of this stage then drama first hamilton second george bennett third we'll talk about that in a second brambilla fourth visconti fifth bouchard sixth nicola ede seventh patilli eighth honore ninth ravanelli tenth bennett George Bennett was not third on the road. So this is a quick anecdote that was probably one of the funniest moments from this stage. They're coming into the finish. Bennett has not pulled for a second after Vendrame and Hamilton have gone clear. And he's not going for bonus seconds on GC. Brambilla's pulling the whole time. And then Brambilla starts to sprint, hugely deviates as Bennett starts to come. He, Brambilla starts on the right barrier. And he moves almost to the left barrier because he knows Bennett starts to contest the sprint. And Brambilla... He eventually has, he got relegated. We just saw it on Twitter. He was relegated to last in his group, which is fourth, which is actually a problem with the rule because he might have just come fourth anyway. And uh, we never see the UCI like judgment in these things. But we won't talk about rule deviations and that stuff today because we always do. But I actually am sort of on Brambilla's side. Now, I don't think you should respond by endangering people. And in terms of endangerment, this wasn't the highest level of endangerment you'll ever see. But I just think it is weird that Bennett contested that sprint, Benji. Do you think, I know we don't like the old rules of cycling, but really it's for third and he didn't help at all. What's he doing contesting that sprint? He's trying to get third. And if Brambilla doesn't like that, then he can ride another kind of sport because I feel like I understand that Bennett will not pace as much as someone who is faster on the flat, 
I think that riding clever is also part of the sport. I think that Ruben Guerrero won a, a stage in the Giro last year, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but that's won- winning a stage. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Hamilton sat on Vendrama, and if he'd won, I wouldn't criticize him. That's mate, winning. Bonus seconds for GC, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> True. Ass. I have no Maybe. clue. Yeah. But I feel uh, like I, everybody should be allowed to sprint for a place that they want to achieve. Uh, if you don't agree with that, yeah, then. That's a valid comment. No, no yeah, need to deviate ha- then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with that. If Brambilla didn't want him to contest the sprint, he should have attacked him if third meant yeah. that much to him rather than deviating. I also think it was though, a bit strange. I think it was just a sign that Brambilla had probably been abusing him for the last five kilometers. <laughs> it was like, fuck you, I'm going to contest third, which is my right as well. After the stage, Brambilla, what did he say? Something spicy. I have nothing to say, which also means I'm about to say something spicy. (laughs) Ask George Bennett how to do the race. That's it. Sometimes it's better even watching some racing on TV. You can learn how to do it. Or you can listen to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. We provide very good tips on a daily basis on how to win cycling races. But now to the GC group after that excitement in the breakaway at the end. The GC group, nothing happened. There's Cat 2s, Ineos, no, no, nothing happened on the Cat 2s. Big climbs, oh, okay, Ineos okay, okay, just okay. pacing, when the, even losing time to the break. We'll get to Benji's moment of the stage in a second. <laughs> get onto the Paso del Carnaio. Ineos not really caring at all, pacing. They get to the steep section. Who do we see jumping at the front? The guy that I literally said yesterday on the podcast, if there's one GC rider that will attack <laughs> today, it's Ciccone. And he definitely ended up doing so on the last climb. And... It was while Ineos was still pacing with four riders. And then a lot of people, I think, criticized the fact that, well, is this even remotely intelligent? Because, uh, well, they're just going to pace you down. Like, I don't get that point. But the weird strategy for it was that they did a reverse satellite rider. They attacked with I, the leader think- first and attacked with Nibali towards <laughs> yeah. it. This I makes no sense. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that it's reverse satellite. Yeah. Well, maybe Benji... Nibley's the leader and Ciccone yes, is exactly <laughs> Benji's the DS at, <laughs> at Trek and he's saying Ciccone no podium mate we need to get yeah. Nibley 8 on GC <laughs> the thing is for reasons that definitely weren't within Ciccone and Nibley's contemplation their move actually isn't as bad as it seems because mm-hmm. Ineos I think saw them up the road and thought we could use them as a satellite because we've got this descent coming. I think Ineos are well aware that Vlasov and Remco can be put under pressure on descents. And we saw Moscon bridging to that group. Bridging, it was a he pushed out of a corner. It wasn't yep. just losing a wheel. He, he attacked to that group. And I think the plan was to then have Bernal attack to that group, which he tried to do. But he was marked by, I think, Luis Leon Sanchez, Caruso, and other riders were alive to it. And Martinez, Danny Martinez, didn't lose the wheel quickly enough. So, but they were trying to do what, uh, when, you know, not similar, but kind of similar, Bodnar and Sagan, Thomas and Froome in that stage where you try and, oh, okay, you're up there, let's satellite to you, we'll all work together. And it just didn't work out. Ciccone and Ewley got brought back because probably everyone saw Bernal trying to get into that group. They go to the crest of the climb. Who do we see pacing the front of this descent, which had been a little bit wet in sections? Lo squalo. Nibali is back. And, I mean, Remco's seeing, oh, no. And we've, if we've learned anything, trying to follow Nibali on a descent when he's going full is pretty tricky. Who tried to follow him again, Benji? And do you agree with him following Nibali on a descent, knowing how treacherous it can be? 
Well, yes. Um, the thing is, Moscon was the one that tried to close down the gap towards Nibali in the descent, and he did so by having a gap on the group behind as well, because he wasn't just facing the group towards him, he was facing too hard that the rider in his wheel could also not follow Forminios. So Moscon with great descending until, well, he tried a bit too much, because Nibali was getting through corners in such a wonderful way. When I see it on TV, I bloody love it. And Moscon just miscalculated a corner and ended up crashing in that corner. Um, I think that, should he have done it? Probably not at all. Makes no sense to me. I think that Moscon closing that down is completely unnecessary at all. Because Nibali is not an instant danger. He's on 411 NGC. Uh, he might come back by the end of the cheer and win it, obviously. Because Losqualo is the... Yeah, okay, I won't go on a fanboy streak here. But on a serious note, Moscon should not have done it because there's no real risk to it. What happens if Nibali has 20 seconds at the bottom with the flat section afterwards with Moscon at the front and having not crashed, he might have been able to close it down on the flat section afterwards with no issues. And I think that's a much more clever strategy. I think Moscon was just like, oh, cool, I can race and I need to get to yeah, his wheel. Yeah, so. yeah, but <laughs> no, nah, he shouldn't. His focus should be on trying to keep Bernal safe, trying to keep Bernal safe to the finish line and trying to prevent Nibali from gaining on the flat section and even closing it down on the flat section, not on the descent itself. We've seen it for years that trying to follow Nibali in a tricky descent, it has a 50% chance of getting you crashed onto the floor. So, In Moscon's defense, I think they may have been, Ineos were planning to ride the descent a little bit aggressively and perhaps he was thinking, okay, I get to Nibali's wheel, we get a, a nice little eight-second gap on the flat and then Bernal can try and bridge across to us. I pull the hell out of the group and we gain a bit of time on GC, uh, some free time. The problem with that is, I mean, Bora had a full team. Caruso, Luis Leon Sanchez was right for Astana. Caruso had teammates. It that probably wouldn't have really worked. So yeah, Moscon crashing, but he got the straight back up, got in the group. And that's pretty much the rest of this stage. Nibali maintaining the gap with Narvaez pacing pretty chill behind. Nibali getting a massive seven-second gap on GC. Uh, now he's only four minutes and like 15 back on GC. Um, Great move. Yeah, Benji thinks he's probably going to podium now. Nah. But um, no one even contested the sprint in the peloton behind. So... Bit of a nothing day on GC, it must be said. There's no changes that I can see in the top 10. Still Bernal at 45 seconds ahead of Vlasov and 112 ahead of Caruso. Tomorrow's stage is also a pretty str- – well, today's stage wasn't straightforward. Profile was, but it played out that way, I think. 200Ks tomorrow from Ravenna, Ravenna to Verona. Um, flat, it's a one-star stage. We have an intermediate sprint for Ciclamino at 67, and we have the bonus second sprint – at 1.45, I hope the break is caught by then. So we see Bernal sprinting against Remco or Almeida, whichever one's right for GC. And then we have the sprint at the finish, which is a little bit downhill, but not really downhill at all. No Ewan, no Merlier, who's out of the race as well. I learned that today because I didn't. He, he, that happened when I was flying. Who have you got for tomorrow's sprint, Benji? 
I was actually looking at the previous sprints and seeing who was consistently third and fourth and second and so forth. And the two names that keep consistently getting good results <laughs> is Nizzolo and Viviani. And the problem is that Nizzolo can't win because he's going to get second. So he has to, yeah. I, I'll have to say Viviani again this time. He had bad luck the other time. I really believe that he's one of the better flat sprinters still available here. I think that Gaviria doesn't have the punch to out-sprint Viviani at the end. I think that Sigan doesn't have the... Uh, <laughs> doesn't I, I don't believe that Sagan's sprint is on the level of the one of Viviani on the flat once we have a non-technical last section. And I gotta be honest, I have not seen the technicalities of the last kilometer, so I can't tell you if that's going to influence a lot on this moment. Let me but look now. Okay, I'll just give you some time while I'm rambling on about the previous sprints. I think without Middle Year and so forth. There's only a few people that really come into play for these sprints. Now, Chimulai, I don't <laughs> think that... Yeah? Benji. Yeah. <laughs> there's no turns for... <laughs> there's no turns for, I think, 15 kilometers. It's Oh, no, not that long. It, yeah, and then around about in the last fabulous. 100 meters, right? Do you see how it was? <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a straight through roundabout. It's a straight... There is a roundabout... <laughs> Uh, at the end, but, <laughs> <I was joking. laughs> but it's, it's pretty much straight through. Viviani wins, okay? I'm going to go with Giacomo Nizzolo. I've picked him about four times already to win a race this year. I'm going to stick with him, hold the line. I think he has to win tomorrow. If he doesn't win this, he's never winning the Giro <laughs> stage. Gavidia and Viviani and the rest. What else? Is that everything else we've wrapped up from this stage? Any other news? I think like two things. Remember when I said in the early part of the year in our UAE preview that Gaviria might not win a single stage this year? Has he won anything so far? I don't think so, right? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll check it. I'll okay. Check in the meanwhile, it. you've been in Europe for a single day since you moved from Australia, <laughs> one of the hotter countries in the world. And you're Andorra's not in the European Union. You're mate. sunburnt, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, exactly. I mean, this is what happens. I, I come to Europe. I'm told Andorra is going to be cold, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't get sunburn in Europe. It's not possible. I'm from Brisbane, <laughs> and classic. You know, in Brisbane, I actually take precautions because of my pasty skin. I go for a hike today for about four hours. Don't wear any sunburn. It's 23 degrees, direct sunlight, and uh, yeah, this is the result. So, I mean, at least I'm happy though that I can now. I got the mornings to myself and then we record the pods. I am loving it so far. But that's all from today's stage. Um, let's see if I get further. And I don't have a mask burn because I was wearing a mask. It's, weird. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're, you're, it's like a reverse panda or something. You know, I look cooked. Anyway, that's enough for today. We'll see you with the sprint stage tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 